You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Good to be with you this morning. We are continuing this morning, this is week three, of our sermon series called Wesley Say What? And we've been talking about some of the teachings of Mr. John Wesley, this 18th century preacher, uh, potster, as I like to call him, uh, from whom the movement of the people called Methodists began almost 300 years ago. It was a term, this term Methodist, that was originally intended as an insult, those Methodists, uh, because they were so methodical in how they studied scripture and held people accountable, uh, and the name stuck, and so here we are today as the people called Methodists. For the last two weeks, I've shared a couple of different sermons with you, both from 1741. Now, I've told you context is always important when you're reading somebody else's sermons because their faith journey, their life experiences ultimately become part of their message as well. So 1741, uh, three years after Wesley came back from his very unsuccessful ministry in Savannah, Georgia in 1738, that that same year uh, that he had his conversion experience at Aldersgate in London. And we talked about, uh, first of all, this idea of being an almost Christian, Uh, one who knows about God, has a lot of knowledge about God, but lacks a trust and assurance that God can and will do what God has promised. And then last week, we talked about this idea of Christian perfection. Like, what does that even mean? Can we be perfect Christians? Well, what Wesley means is this idea that after we put our trust and confidence in God, that we are to grow in our faith, mature in love of God and neighbor, until, and this is possible, says Wesley, until we are fully mature or perfect in both. Because for Wesley, holiness, this growing in our faith, growing in holiness, is nothing if it is not social and practical. So bear that in mind as we hear another sermon this morning called Catholic Spirit. Uh, and Matt's already stolen my thunder. This was going to be funny, but probably won't be anymore. I remember several years ago uh, at a, another church that I, I served, uh, a, a church member, a very nervous, uh, apprehensive church member, walked up to me after worship one Sunday, this is a true story, uh, and said, you know, every Sunday uh, we read the Apostles' Creed, uh, and, and in it, you know, we, we, we lift up the Holy Catholic Church, uh, and I'm not Catholic. <laughs> so what's that about? Uh, so I had to explain to them, you know, it's, it's a lowercase c, Catholic as in universal, uh, not Catholic as in the Pope uh, and those kinds of things, right? So if, if you're a little confused uh, about some of that, as some people are, uh, hopefully that helps. We're talking about the Catholic Church, the universal church, not the Catholic Church. Now, this particular sermon, uh, Catholic Spirit, was preached in 1750. So this is nine years down the road, nine years of ministry and riding on a horse and all these different things. And his text, and I've told you before, his text is usually only one verse. Uh, You get very little context. Uh, So his scripture for today, well-known scripture that I'm sure everybody has read multiple times, uh, is 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 15. (laughs) You're going to love this. Let us hear the word of the Lord. When he, that is Jehu, left there, he met Jehonadab, son of Rechab, coming to meet him. He greeted him and said to him, Is your heart as true to mine 
as mine is to yours. Jehonadab answered, It is. And Jehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand. Jehu took him up with him into the chariot. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, one of the criticisms of this particular sermon, and I can see you're all about as puzzled as I was, uh, is that he never really explains why he chose this text or where this even came from or the context of it or anything else, uh, but you'll see why he used it here in a second. Love, says John Wesley, is something that we owe to all people who love God because God has first loved us. And so he quotes First John saying, we know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. He that doesn't love does not know God, for God is love. Now, we've heard this scripture before. Here's what Wesley says about that. We can all agree to this, but do we practice it? Where are the Christians who love one another as he has commanded us? How many things can prevent us from doing so. Wesley's words, not mine. And so Wesley says there are two answers to that question. Number one, we cannot all think alike. And number two, we cannot all talk alike. Our actions, he says, must differ from our thoughts. May we not be of one heart, even though we are not of one opinion. While we all believe our opinions are true, nobody can be assured that they are right. There should only be one question. Is your heart right as my heart is with your heart? It's not strange at all, says Wesley, that Christians won't agree on how to worship God. But you can't choose for another person. Everyone must follow their own conscience. Nor does anyone have the power to tell another what to do. Everyone must judge for themselves and must give an account to God. My belief, he says, is not the rule for another. Now, during my 13 years at St. Luke's United Methodist Church over in Shreveport, we we had a pastor there by the name of Barry Hookstra. Uh, He was appointed there in July of 2013, and in September of 2014, he passed away from pancreatic cancer. That's a whole different story in and of itself. But when it came to anyone's opinion about God or any controversy in the church or things that people disagreed on or what do you think about religion and this and that and whatever, he had a very simple rule. I'm going to love people because that's what Jesus said to do. And I'm going to let God figure the rest of it out. It was that simple. And it was so refreshing to hear somebody Just tell people that this is really much more simple than we think it is. So Wesley's first question, is your heart right? And to get into what he means by that, and I've told you this before, Wesley likes to ask a lot of questions in his sermon. And at this point in his sermon, he asks more than 50 questions to get to the heart of the answer to that question. Is your heart right? And he asks 53 questions. I'm not going to ask you all 53 questions, so I picked out a handful just to get us thinking. 
Do you have an evidence, a conviction of the things of God? Do you look not at temporal things, but eternal things? Are you fighting the good fight of faith? Is God the center of your soul and the sum of your desires? Are you employed in doing the will of God, not your own? Do you love your enemies? Do you show your love by what you do? These are just some of the questions that Wesley asks to get to the heart of that first question, is your heart right? And he says, if so, and I hope every Christian says yes, then your heart is right. The second part of that, if your heart is right, says Wesley, then give me your hand. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, first of all, and this is typical Wesley, he's going to tell us what he doesn't mean. What he does not mean is that we all must be of the same opinion. I don't expect it, and I don't want it, he said. You keep your opinion, and I'll keep mine. Hold fast to what you believe is acceptable to God, and I'll do the same. As for things like church government or baptism or prayer or communion, I have no desire to argue with you. If your heart is as my heart, if you love God and you love all mankind, I ask no more. Give me your hand. Now think about what Wesley is really saying here, and this came up in a conversation I was having two or three weeks ago. This is kind of interesting, but sometimes we don't think about it. If we took a poll this morning, and we're not going to, (laughs) but if we did, on whether infants should be baptized or not, I'm just going to guess that that vote would not be 100% one way or the other. I'm just throwing it out there. But yet we continue to worship together and live together in community, and it's rarely, if ever, even mentioned. For Wesley, it would be insanity to think that in any congregation, in any gathering of Christians, that we would agree on all things. Where are you going to find any such place? The only things that matter, according to Wesley, are that you love God and you love all of mankind. These are the only essentials of our faith. In the last part of his sermon, Wesley continues to develop this idea of what does it mean to love one another within a Christian community. So he says, one... Love me as a brother in Christ, a joint heir with Christ's glory. Let's start there. Number two, pray for me that God would correct what he finds out of place, supply what is wanting, that I'd have a stronger view of love. Number three, provoke me to love and to do good. Encourage me, teach me how to do it more perfectly. Build me up in love and make me more fit for God's use. Number four, love me not just with words, but with actions. Join me in the work of God and let's go hand in hand. To have a Catholic spirit, says Wesley, is not an indifference to opinions. 
one where the Catholic spirit is fixed on their judgment, but is always ready to hear and to weigh what might be offered. Number two, it is not indifference to public worship or the manner of worship. We should weigh all things. We should be convinced as to what is scriptural and rational. Number three, it is not indifference to congregations. Be fixed on your congregation and its principles. And number four, have a heart for all of mankind. Embrace your neighbors and strangers, friends and enemies. Be ready to spend and be spent and lay down your life for them. Now, by the time Wesley preached this sermon in 1750, the Methodist movement was growing. And as Wesley became more known and more popular and started preaching to crowds of 10, 15, 20,000 people, it wasn't long, surprise, surprise, I'm glad you're sitting down, that people started disagreeing with him. One of those people was a man by the name of George Whitefield. Now, Whitefield was part of the Holy Club back in the 1730s when all of this began. He was one of the first people to start preaching outdoors. He particularly went to the coal miners and to the very poor homeless people uh, on the streets of London. But he and John Wesley quickly, it didn't take long, got sideways over the issue of predestination. And this issue over a number of years eventually split the Methodist societies as they were at that time, into two groups. The United Society under John Wesley and the Calvinistic Society under George Whitefield. Listen to what Wesley says in his journal in March of 1741 when this first began, and this went over several years, but here's what he says. He, Whitefield, told me that he and I preached two different gospels. Therefore, he not only would not join with me or give me the right hand of fellowship, but was resolved to speak publicly against me. This sermon, Catholic Spirit, is largely a response on the part of John Wesley to this separation, to this dispute that occurred between the two of them over about 15 years. And it's worth noting In 1770, which was the year of Whitefield's death, Wesley republished this sermon on Catholic spirit. And you'll never guess who the preacher was at Whitefield's funeral, Mr. John Wesley. For Wesley, there are two central themes that run through all, if, well, most of his sermons. Loving God using the means of grace, and we've talked about this, the works of piety, works of mercy, attending on all the ordinances of God, worship, communion, prayer, study, and fasting at all opportunities. And two, loving neighbor. Yes, God does God's part. We talked about this last week through sanctifying grace. But we must also do our part, searching for God, living out our faith in the world. Holiness is nothing if not social and practical. And Wesley is also clear that the Christian faith is also very much about unity. Whatever differences we have do not break the bond of fellowship that binds us together in Christ. His words, not mine. And when you think about the challenges of the 18th century, the Revolution, the Reformation, to name just two, 
there were plenty of reasons for this Methodist movement to fall apart. But yet, the Methodist movement grew into thousands of people. Largely because Wesley followed a very simple rule when it came to living in community and holding on to unity. And he quoted Augustine of Hippo. Here's what he says. In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. To have a Catholic spirit is not that we all have the same opinion. It's not that we agree on all things. It's a spirit within us that loves God and has a heart for all of mankind, friend and enemy, and is ready to lay down our life for them as Christ has done for us. It's just that simple. As for anything else, to quote my friend and my colleague, I'll let God figure it out. At the very least, at the very least, how about we make sure the hungry are fed? At the very least, let us make sure the homeless have shelter. At the very least, maybe we should make sure our children are safe, our elderly are cared for, the sick have medicine, the hurting are comforted, the grieving have a shoulder to cry on, and so the list goes on and on. And when we have done all of these things, then let's talk about religion. (laughs) Is your heart right with God? Are you willing to love one another, to love our neighbor as Christ has loved us? If so, give me your hand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious, holy God, create within us a clean spirit. Renew within us a spirit to love you and to love our neighbor, all of them, all of the time, with no contingency other than you have first loved us, that we should be willing to lay down our lives for our neighbor because that is what you have done for us, that the only things that matter as far as our faith are to love you and to love our neighbor, and when we have fulfilled both of these things, then maybe we should invest our energy and time into matters of religion. Help us, unite us by your spirit. In Christ. Amen.